1: Bridge Street Capital Partners is a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specialises in equity capital market transactions for small cap companies listed on the ASX, primarily in the mining, energy and tech sectors. If you are a Section 708 sophisticated investor and would like to be on Bridge Street's distribution list for their upcoming capital raises, please send them your details via an email to invest at bridgestreetcapital.com.au and mention the BIP show in your message. Now on with the show. broadcasting from the VFS studios in Northbridge, Sydney, you are listening to the all-new BIP Show, Season 4, Episode 7. Please do not forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a reminder that all information, or financial information at least, in this podcast is generally nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. Sometimes that actually includes me, a uh, investment manager at VFS Group. Uh, also known as VHS Group, uh, according to the AusBiz team this week. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it means a lot, but they got it right at the end. Um, this episode is being recorded in Sydney. It is the 22nd of April, 2002 AD. It is currently 3.33 in the afternoon uh, here in here in beautiful, sunny Sydney where it is actually raining. We are a few minutes away from a, a weekend, three days away from the market, um, but definitely not a holiday. and. All respects to to the diggers, those who have served, past and present, um, and uh, and raise a glass where you can for those guys um, and girls that, that, that did an amazing job for us. So dedicating that to us and dedicating it to also to the Anzac spirit um, as well. So uh, thank, it, thank a digger, thank it, digger, thanks someone who served if you can uh, this weekend, and generally speaking, all the time too. So this week is all about ESG. Now something just popped up on my email. Um, when I've got the market ticking in the background, I should switch that off. Um, allocations are done for the week. I've got nothing more to do. I've got this has popped into my inbox. It was from money management. It's a great a great little journal of record for the money management. For anyone who's in finance, should subscribe to the guys. They're fantastic. It was about just how much platforms have seen strong growth in environmental, social and government funds in the data that came through. So this is, we'll start off with BT. BT have the Panorama platform. Uh, BT said net flows into investments that prioritise ESG across all platforms, uh, all BT platforms, increased by 162% from June 2020 to June 2021. For managed accounts, net flows to ESG managed portfolios on BT's platforms increased by 520% in the same period. In its quarterly results to the three months to the 31st of March 2022, the firm added a plan to launch seven more ESG-managed portfolio options on its BT Panorama platform by the end of June, which would bring their total to 12. Going to Premium, another big player in the platform space, they told Money Management the year to the 11th of April had seen the largest change on its ESG-managed funds, which had risen 232% from $13.9 million to $46 million. ESG ETPs, exchange-traded products, had risen 166%. Um, while well, ESG managed portfolios had risen from 39 million to 98.6 million, 151%, that is. However, ESG managed portfolios, and, and this is something we'll, we'll get to our guest about soon ESG managed portfolios, it's in the largest product growth, rising from 12 products to 23 over the period, which represented growth of 98%. ESG ETPs had risen from 19 to 32. While ESG managed portfolios had grown from 34 to 45. There's clearly a need here. And finally, North, um, which is the AMP platform, uh, had seen, which is actually a pretty good platform, just uh, I'm not not sponsored to do so, but for all its faults, AMP just does have a half decent platform out there, um, had seen assets under management for its ESG investment options increase by 100% to 600 million during 2021. Options had increased to 60 investments, with 13 added in 2021. And the firm said ESG investments had grown six and a half times faster than non-ESG options. There is clearly a demand for it in that space and it cannot be ignored. The question is sort of willy-nilly going at it. And we're also questioning, and I do have some questions about when people sort of want to switch on and want to switch off the ESG thing and the luxury that people sometimes think that they have being able to go into ESG based on where they see the market is. And, and if everything is good and bubbling along, then you can afford potentially to take um you know, to take some of the things out of your portfolio that may not be uh, as as environmentally friendly or ethical as you, as you potentially think that they could be. And when the market does start to uh, start to decline, then you see that, well, maybe, okay, we need to get those things back in there. The recent, the start of this year really was an amazing example of that. Not only did we start off with the market correcting pretty heavily at the beginning of the year, we then also had, had, had the Ukrainian incident happen as Russia invaded Ukraine. No news there. You're aware of that. But we saw that at the correction at the beginning of the year, this dropped into, into Bloomberg. Um, when the market goes down, so two dimensions of ESG. I'll put, I'll put all this up on the website. You can read it all on your own leisure. People only care about investing in ESG when everything is going okay. And it is it's a beautiful display showing that the SPIDER S&P 500 ETF trust as it goes down, so too does story counts or searches for story counts with the, with the term environmental, social and in it, governance in it. That is is a big tell. You can see the market goes down. Okay, I, I'm not going to care so much about ESG at the moment and going in that direction. Then we saw the bombs drop in Ukraine as, as Russia made the invasion. We saw oil pop through 100 almost instantly. Um, I was right in the end, about two months late, but um, for the wrong reasons, I wish I wasn't. Natural gas absolutely soared as well. And we saw that the weapons makers too, um, they did get a little bit of a pop on the back of that as well. And then we started to see everyone as portfolios started to crash, but also the oil stocks started to rally as well. We really started to see uh, people, well, maybe just sort of started to change the rules a little bit about what they want to, 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 to be included into the ESG platforms. And we got uh, some notes out of Citi and also some conversations from Bloomberg, which I'll go into right now, talking about, <clears throat> I'll quote something that I wrote here at, at the time a couple of months ago for, for Ausbiz when I was speaking for them. The expression never let a good crisis go to waste is ringing truer than ever, not only for policymakers, but for ESG investors still seeking returns in a suddenly flaky market. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, we are now at the quote, ESG needs to invest in defence so that it can maintain peace and lessen dependence on fossil fuels because ESG funds can't invest in fossil fuels stage of the cycle. This is the quote from the city analyst that wrote um, at, at this time, quote, we believe Defence is likely to be increasingly seen as a necessity that facilitates ESG as an enterprise, as well as maintaining peace, stability and other social goods. Recent events in Europe, we think, will significantly increase the likelihood of defence's inclusion in the EU's social taxonomy. End quote. Bloomberg, almost the same day, with a Russian invasion right on its doorstop, all, Europe now finds itself discussing whether weapons should be listed as ESG assets to grant them more favourable access to financing. And that, for me, was uh, pretty interesting. And then even with the uh, natural gas uh, soaring and people saying, well, we need defence to be included into ESG portfolios so that we can keep the price of natural gas and oil down, at the same time, just popped up on Bloomberg terminals literally 20 minutes ago, US climate envoy John Kerry on Thursday put natural gas on notice. Saying the world's reliance on the fossil fuel should be limited to potentially a decade, unless its greenhouse gas emissions are fully captured. The natural gas burns cleaner than coal when used to generate electricity. It should not be part of a long-term climate strategy without emission control technology. Kerry said in an interview with Thursday uh, in an in 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 interview Thursday with Bloomberg Television. I am sorry about that. I've been speaking too much, which means that I need to throw to my guest, an old friend of the show and and an old friend of mine as well. One of my one of my absolute closest space. Um, and helping us out here, uh, and and a Kiwi, which is great too. So as I was saying, really strengthening and uh, and showing the, the strength of, of the union between the two nations across the ditch. Uh, Chris Robertson uh, used to run money at Colonial, used to run money at State Street, now currently consults, and he and I have actually worked together on a few things, especially around the ESG side uh, too, and, uh, and we've got a lot of things to add on this one, but uh, I can absolutely guarantee you he's going to be more knowledgeable uh, than me on this one. Uh, about a thousand years in the industry, um, Chris Robertson. How are you? I am well, thank you, James, for that lovely welcome. <laughs> any time, mate. Any time. It has been a while uh, since I've been on the show, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we did. We did get you back um, after the. You know, I wanted uh, someone on commodities. I wanted someone to talk about some some fund management, and then the next nine people they they didn't answer their phone, uh, and and it was good that you picked up the phone, mate. Right? So so you know if 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 any one of those twelve people. Had 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 answered me, then yeah, you wouldn't be able to be here, unfortunately. But I think that we that we got lucky with this one.
0: I think you got lucky, scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel. but <laughs> You got there eventually.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I'm kidding. Obviously, I am jest. Uh, the mate. So, so look, you you would have just heard that spiel that I made about the bits and pieces in there. Even though you've got, do you think that we'll, we'll start off with this? And, and we've got, we've got a few things that we just wanted to talk about, and we're going to try and make it as quick as possible. But because it's we're, we're leaning very yeah. close to four o'clock on a Friday here, so let's uh, let's pit a Do you do you think that a big part of what's going on with natural gas and also oil and potentially what gave not to be too controversial, but what gave Putin the the strength or the or the cockiness to think that he was going to get away with something in Ukraine like this? Do you think that a big part of that could be directed? The blame could be directed potentially at the ESG flow.
0: It could be directed at the underinvestment into oil oil and gas industry over the last 10 years. Very good. Um, and, and part of that is because w- when people talk about oil and gas and, and fossil fuels, they talk about just burning them, so using them in cars, using them in, in, in power stations, using them in trucks, using them in aeroplanes. But what what I think people are forgetting, and, and they're quite sort of my, my offer op- when it comes to that, is that... Is, uh, oil and gas is actually sort of what, you know the four you know a foundation for the four pillars of a modern civilization, and when you think about a modern civilization, it's cement, steel, plastics, and ammonia, and and ammonia is a key ingredient in, in nitrogen fertilizers. So if you're under investing in, in oil and gas, they're still going to need to produce these uh, these commodities, but it's just going to cost more because there's less of them producing them.
1: Yeah. Okay. So okay. So, so let's let's take yeah. a step back and just for people uh, on this yeah. one as well. ESG um, means what does what it what does it mean it's, for different
0: it, people? It, ESG is is environmental, social, and governance. So so it's sort of the environmental impact of companies. It's the social impact and it's the governance. So it's the board structures and, and diversity and things like that. I, I think with ESG, what what people are, are sort of forgetting, and a lot of investors are forgetting, is that ESG means different things for different people. So, you know, you'll have, have what I call the really dark green investors and, and they want things like no alcohol, no, no fossil fuels, you know, they, they run very tightly run exclusionary type portfolios and then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is the light green Um, ESG investors so they realize that that, um, you know these companies have a place in a portfolio but they're looking for companies that that sort of rank higher on an ESG scoring type process so that that the companies are actually consciously trying to make change um, versus others in their industry. Now
1: contrary to what it was that I just said at the at the top in my little spiel there with regards to yeah. people sort of, you know, maybe switching off ESG when things start to turn a bit dicey in the market. Do you think that there's a space for ESG as a risk mitigator or or as just purely an alpha generator?
0: Well, the, the alpha generator is a hard one, to be honest, and, and the reason why is there's been, a, been some research done, or there's been a lot of research done on ESG, and and the conclusion is is that it doesn't really add any value, um, if anything, you know, from an alpha perspective. Um, It sort of tracks in line and and there has been some research um, sort of showing that it actually detracts value. But when you think about it as a risk mitigator, you you think about things like um, James Hardy, for example. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the 1960s, they were digging out asbestos. There was no sort of safety culture within the organisation. And, you know, 30 years later, you know, they're, they're paying for it. Um, and so from an ESG perspective, if companies managing their environmental and social governance now, they're not going to be exposed to those costs to, to sort of rectify the damage done down the track. And, and anything with companies that, that involve costs means that the shareholders suffer. Mm-hmm. So, so if anything, I think it's sort of a, a, a quality filter within a
1: portfolio. So, yeah, just take the extension for the quality. And quality is absolutely one of the investment themes uh going for 2022 as, as i've flagged many, many exactly
0: time. exactly and it's also also you know when, when you know as an investor i want to invest in companies that are doing right by the world to be honest and if i if i've got two companies in an industry and one's doing great things and the other one's not doing such great things i'm going to go down the path of the great things company yeah and- it makes you feel good as well it's a philosophical
1: yeah, the, the, the feel-good conversation is, is one that happened, I, and this is sort of why I was pointing to the beginning of this year as being an amazing example for when <laughs> when it didn't really work as well as it did, because obviously you've got the move to value um, being. If, if you look at a lot of ESG portfolios, it's got it's got the big tech names in there for some reason. Although we could talk about that in a second, but it's got the yeah. big tech names in there because it, 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 they're not they're not pumping stuff into into lakes, and they're not. Um, You know, they're not making weapons. Um, Yeah. Making making phones in sweatshops is probably a whole different story, but we can get to that as well. But but you had a lot of investors who were just like, hang on a minute, I'm getting outperformed by tobacco companies and I'm getting outperformed by oil and gas and I'm getting outperformed by weapons manufacturers and maybe I actually need to start valuing my performance a little bit more than what I am right now.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing around weapons manufacturers because when I when I sort of twenty years ago started um incorporating ESG factors into my portfolio management, um at the time it wasn't weapons manufacturers per se that that were ranking low on the ESG scores. It was the weapons manufacturers that were manufacturing things like cluster um, um, munitions and landmines and things like that. Yeah. Um and and also when you're when you're looking at sort of these big big sort of corporates like General Electric, for example, you know, they have divisions where they're making sort of, you know, jet engines and developing tools for the for the military. Very, very hard to exclude them from a the portfolio.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, Boeing, similar sort of situation. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You're, yeah. 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 You can, yeah. You know, if you fly, it, it's, it's, it's two different parts of your life depend on which – which which way you look at a Boeing plane, some people who are on the inside of it are having the time of their life, and some of them probably don't want to beat it. So exactly, exactly. And fossil fuels is an interesting one. I was
0: actually at a um an ESG conference about four weeks ago, and, and there were people up on stage, or presenters up on stage, saying, you know, and oil and gas needs to be in an ESG portfolio. Um,
1: Go on. Go on. From,
0: from an investment perspective,
1: yeah,
0: a- and and there is a trend that they are being included into ESG portfolios. And if you if you run some screens on some of these ETFs that have ESG screens, there is oil and gas in there, yeah. But, and- but the way they do it is what they say is, if you've got a bunch of oil and gas companies in the industry favour the ones that are actually trying to make a difference and and also extract the oil and gas in an environmentally sound manner, manner doing some work on the social and the governance side and yeah. down downweight to the, the sort of the polluters
1: and the ones that are doing badly. That's, which sort of brings me to the conversation about fun, fun scoring. Now we had, exactly I remember going through some stuff for you a while ago when it was interesting the way that a company that was actually probably a little bit less, less environmental, i.e. sort of one of your, one of your oil and gas producers, if yeah. they were that, there were some scoring methodologies that, if they were making amends for that, um, you know, contributing back into the into the community or carbon emissions offsetting that in any way that they could do, then that 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 effort. To remedy themselves was actually helping them get scored better, which I've, I found yeah. interesting. I'm not going to judge it. You want to go into that a little bit or anything else? Around
0: yeah, that? yeah. No, it's an interesting one because there are methodologies where it um, they get, companies get screened out completely. So, so for example, if you're in oil and gas sector, you're, you're out pretty much. Yeah. Um. The, you know, but the screening methodologies is 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 varied, and and there's a huge amount of um, data providers out there who provide sort of screening tools and things like that. But you know, where do you draw the line? Do you do you screen out a company that that's five percent of its revenue is from from pokeys, or do you screen it out where? Twenty percent of its revenues from pokies, one oh, percent really, it, it, if you ask me. or one percent. But then, if you screened out the one percent, you know, you'd get the likes of um, Woolies and Coles that have, you know, owned pubs at the time. I don't know if they still do or not. That's,
1: but no, it's no, no, the entire reason why they divested their, um, exactly. their pokie pub division. Exactly. So Endeavour Endeavour is now separate, so that they could still be included ESG. In yeah, yeah. But
0: but, but every, it's interesting because oil and gas is at the front of everyone's mind, but really, it's just another commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and so, ability, if you look at if you look at an oil well, if you've got an onland oil well. The environmental impact, I would argue, is probably a lot less than a lithium mine. And you see some of these photos of massive holes in the ground extracting the materials needed to make solar panels and batteries I, and things like that, which do a lot more of an have a bigger environmental impact than, than some of the other commodity producers.
1: So, I, yep, I've got I've got some stats, and remind me to put this on the website as well about about how many hours of diesel use you need for um, those big cap diggers. To exactly. pull out of the, to, to to work on the ground, and it's it's like it's a thousand, it's two thousand hours or something like that. Yeah, um, just to get just to get enough lithium for one Tesla battery. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. So so then you get the likes of John Kerry coming out saying, you know, the natural gas industry is on notice that they've got ten years left. Um, but actually, the nuance in that is he's talking about emissions control, which okay. is, totally totally makes sense. Still still use natural gas, but you know, control the emissions. It's like putting catalytic converters on cars. That's all still, you need to do. Still, still burn the, oil, the the petrol. Um, yeah, but yeah. you know, make the make the sort of the, the sort of the, the byproducts safer. Yeah, because you can't do without it. Natural not gas.
1: For, no, no, well, not to, not for now. One day, I'm sure that we'll be able to, and that, and that that might be a beautiful, noble thing that we can all sort of we can all yeah. work towards. But I think that we we moved towards the electric car before we were ready to all have an electric car. And next yeah. thing you know, next thing you know, Russia is is going to war with Ukraine.
0: Yeah, but then you, you think about natural gas and, and electric cars and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the, the key key thing we're seeing in markets at the moment is fertiliser prices. Yeah. And, you know, the largest the largest sort of um, nitrogen-based fertilisers, which is key for, for coal and wheat, the, the, the main material that it's used, it's, it's made by mixing nitrogen from the air with hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen comes from natural gas. Mm-hmm approximately sort of 60% of the natural gas is used as raw material, but then you also, it's at high
1: temperatures, so you need the natural gas to get to the temperatures. And then the fertiliser, and then if you take it even further down the stream, so not only fertiliser prices going up, yeah. uh, and I read about this in October last year, um, that there would be no turkeys for Christmas in, in England no. because fertiliser fertilizer prices were going up, the input costs were too much, and yeah. fertiliser companies were shutting down. One of the outputs from fertiliser creation is carbon dioxide, CO2. Yeah. That yeah. CO two um, is what's used to slaughter turkeys for Christmas, and also used to freeze things to be able to transport them around different places. So this yeah. downstream effect that everyone saw meant that okay, in effect, what's going on over there from Nord Stream two? Remember Nord Stream two? No, what's yeah. going on? What's going on because of Nord Stream two not being switched on online enough, and and Russia allegedly not sending enough uh, gas to Europe is now meaning that. In London, people are now looking at maybe not being able to have turkeys for Christmas last year. That's the, that's how exactly. downstream this all went. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now,
0: so yeah, go, yes. on. go on. So, so, so ESG is good because we all want to make a
1: change. Yeah, but you've got to be a bit sort of nuanced in your thinking around it. Mm. Yes. Um, uh, the uh, uh, let's see now. Let's talk products because we did say that we we're going to talk about some so, some products here. Oh, yeah. actually, first off, first off, speaking of products, and you, you mentioned that oil and gas. Being excluded from some from some ETFs, yes, or from, from all ETFs. In fact, some of the no, definition, yes, some, yeah, some of them, some. yeah. Remember, remember, I noticed that there was that one where they were all excluded. It was um, shale and digging. It was, it was actually, it was actually drilling oil, not yeah. just selling it. But it was drilling oil was excluded from Japan, but wasn't excluded from Europe um, yeah. from their little from their little scanners of what to exclude, and that was because okay, if you can include that scanner in Japan because they don't have any Japan oil drillers. There are no yeah. Japanese oil drillers. So you could put that on there because you're not really excluding anyone. It wasn't included on the on the similar European ETF, which I found fascinating as well, and that way you could include things like total and shell. So there was yeah. some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A bit cynical yeah. there. A bit well, cynical that's there.
0: that's the thing. It's, you know, it's many things with many people and, you know,
1: hundreds of ways to slice and dice it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and, it's and, like anything
1: in investments. Well, what things. are the trends? Trends? Uh, what are, the trends? what are the trends and what are the products that, that, that well, you're seeing? Well, trends are
0: interesting, actually. I, I I have spent quite a bit of time talking to advisors about their client base and understanding sort of the trends. And, and to be honest, when I went into the process, I, I actually thought it would be the millennials and the younger generation that sort of are more socially aware and, and more sort of clued up on sort of ESG-type concerns that would be sort of adopting um esg type solutions and product solutions and things like that but it came out that it's the baby boomers
1: yeah interesting
0: enough the conversations are the baby boomers boomers they've made their money they've retired they've seen the impact that they have had on the world to get where they are today they see their grandkids and they want to feel like they're making a
1: difference so it's the boom the boomer guilt. The, boom yeah. the boomer and, guilt, yeah. It's Woodstock, Woodstock all over again. We're making a difference and not worrying yeah, about the clean up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I
0: actually did sort of a sit down, sort of interview around sort of fifteen, sixteen advisors, and had a great conversation. And you know, out of them, probably two or three said the clients were they weren't interested, and and they are the ones that typically had a had a younger client base, yeah. Um, but then of the others that said, yeah, clients are interested, they're sort of talking about 30 or 40% of their their sort of new flows would be directed right up to, for some advisors, to 70 80% into ESG thematic type products. Um, but they're all very firmly in the light green bucket. They don't want to go sort of hardcore exclude, you know, entire sectors and things like that. And and it's sort of a case of, of you know, making a
1: difference incrementally. What
0: about pricing? Any changes in pricing? That, 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 well, ESG products have got the sort of uh, reputation of being more expensive. Um, but really what it is is you, you're just taking sort of underlying indexes and securities and things like that and putting a, an additional screen on them. So we're seeing pricing coming down quite quickly and, and they're not a, not as expensive as they were. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, they're sort of coming back into line with, with what I'd call sort of core sort of mainstream type products.
1: Not Bert. Not Burt. Okay. good. So, so they're I, affordable. Yeah. Was, Very affordable. The, the, there's no doubt. Now, you mentioned green, light green, dark green, If uh, and, and we can name names here, and I, I'd be really happy to name names here because I want to, I want to actually have solutions. To, no, you know, I actually, I actually want to have solutions to people who are listening about if they want to get set in different if, different types of ETFs. So, so, I mean, if you've got a yep. short list of stuff that you that, that you prefer for the green, the greener the better. The light greener, what you'd prefer in that space as well.
0: Well, I've, I've been building. I've been building out model portfolios. Ooh, and, let's and, go. And um, and when I say model portfolios, sort of a, sort of a diversified, you know, defensive, risky assets. You have got your Aussie equities, international. You got your fixed income. It's still quite hard to find products in the fixed income space. Um, it's happening. Um, and, and there are some products out there like GBnds, so and like a a good um sort of diversifier in your, in your fixed income space um the only challenge for that would be at the moment it's got it's got quite it's got quite a bit of international exposure but really if you're looking at your yield curves aussie's aussie's the place to be there seems to be quite a bit of mispricing in the aussie market at the moment
1: hey this is not advice by the way i've i've said at the top of the show it's not advice mate that's okay good also, good. also <laughs> it's me assume it's me i'm covered by an AFSL yeah. I'm, a, I'm a i'm a seasoned i'm a seasoned advisor if you're expecting just, we're not.
0: It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Fine, fine. I don't You're want to be claimed by ASIC as You're a covered. as
1: a influencer or whatever they are. Yeah, you ain't influencing anything, man <laughs> yeah. so just, 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 just stick to your knitting, okay? Leave it leave that up to me. But anyway, so, so you were
0: Yeah. So, so you know, G B N D is quite a good fixed income E yep. um, S G themed. Um, if you, I, I use Ethos um, to score my, my ETFs. They provide a look through into the ETFs. You can actually load your model portfolios, um, and it's got a really high Ethos score of around ninety five out of one hundred, which is okay. good. And, so that's and a, a, card, that's a green bond. Yeah, carbon impact of around one point six degrees, which which is sensational as well because the wood wide targets one point five. Mm-hmm. Um in the in the in the Aussie equity space, you know, you've got your E two hundreds, you've got your fares, you know, they're good good sort of ESG themes. E two hundred is more of a tilt against the ASX 200, so it's good if you just want broad based Aussie equity exposure. Yeah. Um fairs sort of screening out a bit more.
1: So that's F A I R fairs. Yeah. Yeah, that's the beta shares one, isn't it? Now that's got that's got a little committee from memory. That's um, does that have a, a? That's got a committee of external people who who are sort of from funky areas that actually straight hardcore judge things, and, and they're pretty they're pretty indiscriminate with what they rip out. There's no real.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the RIAA's um, the, the Responsible Investment Associates in Australia is doing some really good good work in sort of ranking and and attaching um, sort of ticks of approval for. For these type of um, these type of products, which is good. I'm, I'm only paying in the ETF space at the moment. It's a bit difficult to try and screen individual stocks with the with the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your international, um, you know, your international part of the portfolio as well. Um, and there's all sorts that you can you can be there. Um, you know, sort of off the top of my head, you know, you've got um, H, HSXD, I think it is.
1: Which gives you some European exposure. Yeah, that was the one HSXD. Hang on, I will just I will just bring this up as we go. You just go. Through yeah, have a have one. a look at that one. Um, that uh, yeah, that's the ETF S P L C HSBC. So that's the HSBC one. Um, that's the HSBC yeah. Asia Pacific ex Japan Sustainable Equity ETF. Yeah, yeah,
0: um, and the and, and you know the X Tracker crew. They're, they're putting out some really really good product as well. Um, It was interesting, actually, that, you know, last year, I think the the entire space, you know, put sort of low single-digit, well, you know, sort of, there wasn't a lot of product going out, and then this year, it's just exploded in the amount of product that's getting
1: brought to market. Well, I mentioned at the top, what, just how, just how many new products have been brought into the market there. I mean, what is it that uh, 13 added by North in 2021, uh, you've got yeah panorama adding in uh, bringing their total to 12 so I think they're almost doubling the number that they've got premium putting on another from 12 to 23 products so it's, it's and yeah. that's just for them putting it onto their managed platform so yeah
0: yeah and so. then there's all the all the underlying ETFs going on as well
1: yeah um, so. all right so look I'm, I'm about ready to wrap it up the markets um, just about to head into the spin yeah. uh, is there anything else you'd like to add on this one, or anything that people should know and, and take with them when they're going into uh, p- potentially having a look at the ESG thing? Listening to me, you could be a little bit cynical. Uh, I do it more <laughs> just, so. Yeah. I may have got that from my time my time with this podcast with Ken, um, but I try and I try not to. But if, the more you know about something, the more cynical you get a little bit about it. So, what, um, but uh, but Robbo, the yeah,
0: I would say don't be cynical. You know, my my view is it's better to make. A little bit of difference and no difference at all. And Not bad. and and by investing in an in, in ESG themed type products, you're actually your is getting directed to companies that are trying to do good in the world. And you know, from anyone's perspective,
1: that's a good that's a good good way to end the week. Oh, how wonderful, mate. That is a good way to end the week. Um look, I'll let you get back to what um uh, Whatever cave it is that you're called out on <laughs> to be able to do the podcast, mate. I really do thank you for, for, for helping us out. And That's it's wrong. always good to chat to you, mate, as well. Um, we should get together for, for a beer, raise one for the diggers um, as soon as possible. So Monday, I think, would be the one, but a two-up. Monday. I, I,
0: I note that all the pubs have two-up all weekend in New South Wales. Which is they,
1: good. They're, they're stretching it out. They're opening up that two-up and um, uh, hopefully the pubs and, and definitely, hopefully, Legacy and, and, uh, and the RSLs can... Make a little bit of coin from that, which is good, and get that get that to where people actually need it to. So buy yourself a badge for Legacy as well. Um, I've got mine on. Um, it's, a really nice, it's a really nice gold one here, so it's all right. Um, but, look, um, have yourselves a great weekend if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this over the weekend, I hope you are having a good weekend. And if you're listening to this down into the future, then I hope that the market has treated you well. Uh, Chris Robertson, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Now, this show was produced by Drunk Monkeys, uh, Working in the Dark, and... Um, that is the end of the uh the bip show for this week don't forget to hit subscribe please give us five star ratings uh they really do make a massive difference tell your friends about this as well and don't forget that we are sponsored by bridge street capital partners um bringing you uh, a sydney based corporate advisory firm that specializes in equity capital markets transactions for small cap companies listed on the asx primarily in the mining energy and tech sectors Sophisticated inventors, investors, inventors who want to hear about Bridge Street's upcoming capital raises, please send your details to invest at bridgestreetcapital.com.au. A lot of people already have, and a lot of people are already very interested in some of the ideas that they've got, which is good. So, the worst thing that you could just see is a new raise, a new capital um, capital raising, and some information about a company that you may not have known about, and uh, and then you know a little bit more. What's the worst that could possibly happen? says. Uh, look, thank you so much everyone for joining us. That is the end of the BIP show for this week and I'll catch you next week. Thanks very much. Mom